If you're like me, you know your mind can be your best or your worst friend. Our mind is an amazing tool that can do incredible things, but our mind can also create problems out of nowhere. Sometimes our mind keeps recommending the same solutions to problems even when they aren't working. I see this pattern play out as individuals try to overcome their anxiety, depression, or even struggles with pornography, using approaches that make sense but aren't very helpful. This podcast will show you how real researchers and clinicians are changing the way we approach mental health and reveal helpful research-supported principles designed to help real people with real problems. My name is Dr. Cameron Staley, and welcome to the Life After Series Radio. So I was thinking a lot today about urges. When I hear that word, I have a strong reaction where it's like, ugh, I don't like having urges. So I think like this morning, um, I wake up early to play basketball. It's my favorite form of exercise. And yet when my alarm went off at 5.30 this morning, I had a really powerful urge to turn off my alarm and stay in bed. Really strong. And it's interesting. I've been playing morning basketball for many years now. And yet that urge to just stay in bed hasn't really gone away. Um, It's still there. And there's times that I've struggled with that where it's like, you know, maybe if I had more drive or more motivation, um, that I wouldn't have that really strong urge just to stay in bed. Then there's other times where it's, I just kind of notice that even when I'm dead asleep and not very coherent and it's like, oh, I just want to stay in bed. That would be so nice. And I kind of tell myself, that's normal. It's really early. The sun isn't up yet. And guess what is on the other side of this urge? One of your absolute favorite things to do, playing basketball. So often I think about urges now very different. Instead of it's something that I don't like or something that gets in the way or something that persuades me to do something I don't want to do, right on the other side of an urge is an opportunity. And typically the urges we experience are preceded by some type of physical or emotional state. So in my case, early in the morning, it's fatigue. Um, I'm really tired. It's really early in the morning. So when we are really worn out or exhausted or drained, we tend to have more urges. Urges to withdraw from other people or to stay in bed or to eat snacks. Um, That's an urge I notice throughout the day. So I try to be more thoughtful about those. So typically right after I eat lunch or dinner, I have a pretty strong urge for some chocolate, for some sweets. And for many years, I just obeyed that urge. There's that urge. I want some candy. So I go to the pantry and my kids make fun of me. Oh, there's dad sneaking a treat again. And I kind of laugh along. It's like, well, I have an urge to eat some chocolate. There's not a whole lot I can do about it. And now I kind of pause for a moment and notice that pattern that's developed over time. I eat food and urge shows up to have a treat. And then I do what that urge asks me to do, and I eat a treat. But lately, I've been doing something different. Instead of just obeying that urge, which is pretty automatic, um, after every meal, I've kind of conditioned myself to 
have an urge, eat a sweet after a meal. Instead, I notice that urge and I check in with myself and I say, are you hungry? And typically, right after a meal, I'm not hungry. And I can have a conversation where you know, you can have a treat, that's okay. Um, or you could wait till maybe you're hungry later and have a treat. Um, or maybe you're full and that's okay. You don't need to eat anything in this moment. And so what happens is when I pause and reflect on that urge, I now have many options. And I found that when I, after I've paused, if I still choose to eat that treat, I don't feel as guilty. It's like I, I chose to eat it. Um, I know sometimes those cinnamon gummy bears maybe aren't the best for you, um, but I can tell myself, yeah, you can have a gummy bear. That's okay. Just know that you're choosing this, and that can be okay. And what I found is when I make that choice and give myself permission to eat that cinnamon gummy bear, I only end up eating one or two. Um, but when I'm kind of mindless and in a hurry, and I've got that urge to eat that sweet, I probably eat like six to eight, um, quite a bit more. And I think the really fascinating thing is, is I don't really enjoy them. I don't really taste them. I don't really take the time to savor them. I'm just mindlessly following an urge and eating those sweets as fast as I can. So when I slow down and say, yeah, you're going to choose to eat this treat, I tend to eat fewer, but I also tend to enjoy them more, and I don't really feel guilty after, which is pretty cool. So I've noticed that same urge tends to show up around discomfort. So often I have that urge to check my phone after I feel stressed or after I find myself in a waiting room and everyone else is checking their phone. And there's that moment where it's like, oh, this feels a little awkward. Maybe I'm a little nervous for this meeting or this appointment. Instead of allowing myself to feel that, maybe take a couple breaths and say, yeah, this is nerve-wracking. You're at the dentist. And oftentimes, experiences at the dentist are quite painful. Instead of acknowledging that and preparing myself, thinking through that situation, I'll just pull up my phone. And I'll just distract myself or disconnect from that discomfort for a moment or that awkwardness that I'm sitting by somebody else who I could probably say hello to check in with them. So that urge to look at my phone is preceded by discomfort or an emotion. And I've noticed that pattern really routinely after I give a lecture. So I teach um, college level courses a couple times a week. And right after I give a lecture, I notice this immediate urge to check your phone, check for messages, um, check your texts, check your voicemails, check your emails, check your chats. And for a while, I would just obey those urges. It's like, yep, they're pretty strong. I better check. And then I paused and thought, you know, I work with a lot of people um, trying to help them change their behavior from having an urge to view sexual images or pornography or having the urge to stay in bed because they're feeling depressed or having the urge to avoid attending class because they're feeling pretty anxious. And I chat with them quite a bit about that we can have an urge and still show up for that class. 
or have an urge to view sexual images and choose not to, or have an urge to avoid that party because there might be people there to talk with that makes you uncomfortable and you still show up. So I always try to think about how can I practice what I preach and how do I relate? Um, I might not struggle with social anxiety or pornography or depression, um, but I'm still human. I still experience stress and emotions and I realize it's like, wow, that's my phone. So after class, giving a lecture for 75 minutes, answering questions about mental health and abnormal psychology and diagnoses and trying to be thoughtful for all the students in my class and trying to deliver message in a really sensitive way, it's a lot of pressure. It's pretty stressful. And I think the second that responsibility is over, when the class is over, I notice that urge to disconnect. And so what I've been doing lately instead is just enjoying that walk back to my office and kind of catching up with myself, reviewing my thoughts, reviewing things that maybe I want to clarify during the next lecture, or just taking a break and noticing people, um, noticing the trees. I, I work at a, a university with a beautiful campus, so taking in the sights. And what I found is I feel a lot calmer. I am able to notice that nervousness and relax. Instead, if I would have checked my phone and obeyed those urges, that kind of would have just punted those that feeling of nervousness down the road. It wouldn't have made it go away. If anything, checking my phone would probably ramp up more stress as I think about all the new requests that I have and new responsibilities that show up in my email after just one 75-minute lecture. So it's just an urge. And we don't have to listen to those. And the same thing is true when I work with folks with pornography concerns, is they'll have an urge to view sexual images. And typically they just comply with that urge. There's not a lot of thought to it. It's a pretty rapid, automatic, mindless approach. And what I found makes all the difference is taking a moment and just noticing that urge. Take 60 seconds count to a minute and kind of check in with yourself. What preceded this urge to view sexual images? Because I know this is probably not something that I want to do. I'll feel pretty guilty after or disappointed in myself. So what is that emotional state that I'm having? Or is it that I'm just really tired and so urges are stronger? Or maybe I'm really hungry and haven't eaten all day and don't have the calories to manage those impulses. Or maybe I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And when we're feeling those emotions, our mind's trying to help. It's trying to think of, how can I get you out of this emotion and help you feel better? It just doesn't look around the corner very far. Your mind's like, yeah, if you looked at sexual urges or looked at sexual images, you'd feel better temporarily. That's its only objective. It doesn't think that, but after you view, you might feel kind of bad again. And I'll have to do something else to take care of those. It, it doesn't think that far. It just notices you're feeling something. Let's get away from it. And that's the cycle. That's the compulsive cycle I've seen with pornography. Is there's an emotion, some discomfort, an urge shows up. People just follow the urge and then feel bad again. And repeat. So how we reverse that cycle is notice when that urge is there. And recognize you have choice. Urges do not need to compel our actions. They don't dictate our behaviors. Um, they show up, 
but typically they're in response of an emotion or a physical state. The other place I've noticed this is, is when I'm doing writing. So I, I published my first novel and it, it came out this year and I spent years working on that thing and I've written a couple other books and still kind of fine tuning those. And I notice every time I think about working on a book, I have a really strong urge to tidy up my office or do the dishes or maybe take out the trash. Um, I have a really clean house and workspace because I often just do what those urges say. And it, it, I started to notice that. It's like, why do I have such a strong urge to tidy things up, throw things away when I'm thinking about writing in my book? And then it hit me. It's like, yeah, writing things is a vulnerable act. I'm putting my thoughts, my ideas, my creativity in a, in a work and then I'm going to share them with other people where they can critique them, reject them, judge them, say it's not very good. And that's going to hurt. Like I've, I publish so many things from peer-reviewed journal articles to um, just articles about my beliefs um, to sharing some of these podcasts about mental health or pornography. And what I found is a lot of people appreciate the things I've put together and a lot of people don't. And that's a vulnerable thing to do every time. And so I've recognized that that urge I have to do something else, anything else other than writing, is my mind trying to protect me from vulnerability, from being rejected, from taking a risk. And so what I do now is when I sit down, it's like, I'm going to write some thoughts. And that urge is like, maybe you should check your emails. It's like, okay, thanks, mind. You recognize that I'm going to do something that I care about. That's meaningful for me. And it's a little scary. Thank you for noticing that and recommending I do anything other than sit down and write. But actually, writing this novel or putting this article together or sharing some thoughts on a podcast is something that I really want to do. It brings me a lot of meaning in my life, um, helps me have a sense of purpose. I really enjoy trying to help other people. Um, it feels good in the long term. So maybe I can just feel a little uncomfortable in this moment, notice that urge and let it pass and get to work. So that's maybe my take home message is right on the other side of an urge is an opportunity to live your life. On the other side of that discomfort is an opportunity to connect with another human being. On the other side of that urge to stay in bed or miss your class is an opportunity to create really meaningful things in your life, to learn new things, accomplish your pursuits. And it really just takes a moment to notice that urge, notice the emotion underlying it, and then thinking about, what is it that I really want to do in this moment? Is it to follow this urge and go farther away from the life I want? Or is it to take a couple breaths and keep pursuing the things that, that matter most to me? And that can make all the difference. Hey, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. I know you might be facing some issues in your life or know someone who is. Issues like anxiety, challenges in dealing with emotions, or other compulsive behaviors like unwanted pornography. And I know it's tough to talk to people about problems. Difficult to stare those obstacles down that we face in life and to really know how to deal with them. 
It's hard to know what to say and when to say it. And then when that moment you finally reach out to family and friends happens, sometimes it falls flat. I haven't found many programs teaching effective strategies like mindfulness, how to improve relationships, and ways to address unwanted pornography viewing through research supportive principles. So whether you simply want to help with a problem like unwanted pornography, difficulty responding to emotions, or just want to understand the world of someone struggling with porn a little better, head over to lifeafterpornography.com and get in on the next training. There you'll learn the exact same strategies individuals addicted to pornography used to transform their lives by implementing principles from evidence-based treatment shown effective in research for reducing unwanted pornography viewing. You'll learn the secrets, the myths, the enemies to recovery, and the LAP framework for dealing with unwanted porn viewing that we call WAVE. If that's something that interests you, click the link in the description or just head over to lifeafterpornography.com. I'm Dr. Cameron Staley. See you on the inside.